Continuing on in the book of Acts, verses 14 through 21. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Yea, and on my manservants and my maidservants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs on the earth beneath, (coughs) blood and fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and manifest day. And it shall be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord. So turning to Acts, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the Pentecost story, isn't there? A lot of crazy things happening there in Jerusalem. Rushing wind, tongues of fire, everyone's speaking in different languages. It's pretty dramatic. Not really that... uh, quietly, tenderly spirit thing going on there. It's pretty, it's pretty radical stuff. But you know, to really grasp the significance of what is happening in the Bible on Pentecost, one must look back further. One must look, like my Old Testament professor says, you can't really understand the New Testament until you understand the Old Testament <laughs> and understand what's going on there. And in, tr- in truth, that is really what is going on. You've got to go all the way back to Moses wandering in the wilderness. Exodus 13 tells us that when the Israelites wandered out of Egypt, the presence of God came with them as a pillar of fire at night, as a big cloud of smoke during the day. And in Hebrew, this is what the Hebrew people, the people of God called the Shekinah glory of God. The glory of God, the Shekinah of God that went with God's people throughout the wilderness. In Exodus 40, Moses built a tabernacle. And when they had finished building, and you know, it was, it was kind of a movable tent. It was a mobile, mobile tent that's running, that went with them wherever they went. And as Moses built this, and they brought the Ark of the Covenant into it, And then they consecrated it and prayed over it. What happened next was that Shekinah glory came and rested on the spot where the Holy of Holies was in that tabernacle in the wilderness. And and they would wait there in the wilderness. They would sit there. And they knew that it was time to... And they would spend a few weeks in one spot. And they knew that it was time to leave... When the, when the glory of God lifted up out of the Holy of Holies and went out in front of them again, then Moses looked out and turned around and said, Oh, 
looks like it's time to go, fellas. And so they would pack up all the tents and pack everything up and they would follow the pillar back out into the wilderness with God's glory going ahead. And then it tells us that in 1 Kings 8 that when Solomon built the temple upon its consecration, the Spirit of God moved from the tabernacle and crossed over into the Holy of Holies of Solomon's temple. Now that temple that Solomon built was destroyed in 1586, or I'm sorry, in 586 BCE by the Babylonians when they swept through Jerusalem. And 70 years later, so the, the, the temple was destroyed and the people of God went into the Babylonian exile. 70 years later, after the exiles returned, uh, Ezra led a movement to rebuild the temple. And he, he was successful. If you read Nehemiah, Ezra, all of that, you see that they built a modest temple. It wasn't anything fancy. But they built a modest temple and they consecrated it and everyone moved out of the way. But there's no record of the Shekinah glory returning to Ezra's temple. It doesn't record that the glory of God came and rested over the Holy of Holies again. Yet they utilized this temple. And even, and even like, even in the days of, uh, well, what happened was at the Maccabees, uh, when Alexander the Great conquered Jerusalem, the Maccabees wrested control away from Antiochus Epiphanes. And they reconsecrated the temple then after he desecrated it. And nothing happened there either and even when Herod the Great renovated the temple nothing no Shekinah glory of God and so the people waited in expectation of the day when God's glory would return it was all wrapped up in these expectations that people had about the coming Messiah and it went something like this the Messiah would come and he would lead this holy army filled with heavenly angels, this holy army in battle to vanquish at this time the Romans and would set up the Davidic kingdom again, a king that would come out of the root of Jesse. Does this sound familiar? And return, to, return Israel to its once great glory. And on that day, the glory of God in the form of a pillar of fire and smoke would return to the temple of God. And through the centuries, all the way up to the destruction of the temple in 70 CE by the Romans, the people of God waited with expectation at every festival for the glory of God to once again inhabit the temple. And in fact, they would, they would imitate what they hoped it would look like by, by filling these giant tubs, these giant metal uh, vats full of oil, and they would light them on fire all the way around the temple, and it would make those, that temple glow all over Jerusalem. And what they were doing was trying to imitate the expectation of God's glory returning. The Festival of Lights, the, the, the Yom Kippur, all of these festivals, they tried to imitate this pillar of fire that, that uh, they were expecting. But of course, it never happened. 
It never happened, that is, until the day of Pentecost. That expectation that comes on the great and terrible day of the Lord, a day when God would make all things right, a day that Joel described, we just heard Judy reading uh, in his writings, when God will pour out God's Spirit upon all flesh, and our sons and our daughters shall prophesy, and our young men shall see visions, and our old people shall dream dreams as we've imitated up here with all the folks. What Peter is saying here in his little speech to all those who are gathered and the thought these men were drunk is that today those expectations have been met. The Shekinah presence of God has entered the temple. The day of the Lord has arrived. Once again, the Spirit of God guides the people of God. Amen. But not from a pillar of light that goes on ahead. Not from a pillar of fire that rests in a room, in a building somewhere. It's that Spirit that dwells within. That's the symbolism. That is the reality of Pentecost. What Pentecost represents is fulfillment. That spirit that fills our hearts. The power of God's presence. The reversal of God's punishment in the Tower of Babel. When God, for fear of what we might do, with a well-founded fear, I might add, fear of what we might do, confused our speech in order to keep us apart. Remember this story of the Tower of Babel? Where... People built a tower hoping to get to God. And God confused their speech to keep them apart. Here, now, God confuses their speech to bring us together. Amen. No longer look for the Spirit to dwell in some building somewhere. Everyone hearing the good news in their own way. In ways that make sense to them. In ways that brings clarity in the midst of all of the chaos. The dwelling of God is in here. Within the heart of every one of God's children. For us, Pentecost represents this infilling of the Spirit that comes to every follower of Jesus. Oh, but there's the rub, isn't it? Oh, there's the problem. This is when the problem starts, y'all. The Spirit of God comes in to every believer. The Spirit of God dwells within those who choose to follow Christ. The Spirit of God gets stirs up when we are in worship, when we are reading, when we're praying. And, but what does it mean if it's not in a building somewhere? If the dwelling place of God is in you and me, if the Shekinah glory that we've been looking for lives within us. Oh, what does that mean for how I live my life? What does that mean for what I do and how I live? It means we have been called to be the temple, the dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit. Note that this is not a touchy-feely kind of spirit. This is no comforter spirit. Right? Pentecost describes a passionate, 
earth-shaking presence of God. Tongues of fire, sound of rushing wind, chaotic noise of different languages all at once all come together to paint an almost violent intercession of God into our world. I mean, God's not just talking. God is shouting, amen, to you and me. God is shouting something, trying to get our attention. So what does this powerful manifestation of the Spirit mean for you and me? I think it means that the Spirit is calling out to each of us, giving each of us good news in a language we can understand and a calling that is all our own and a calling to live out the incarnation of that good news we hear in Jesus Christ. For the disciples, for these bumbling disciples, this was the day that locked them in. I think a lot of them were still on the fence. <laughs> you know, they were held up in, in Jerusalem, not sure what was going to happen next. Sure, resurrection, it was impressive, but a few days have passed, right? You can get over those things, right? They were wondering, they were waiting. They were kind of not sure. But this day, this day locked them in. This was the day Peter hung up the fishing nets for good. Even after the resurrection, we hear in the Bible that, Jesus, that Peter went out fishing, which is kind of fun. This is the day Peter said, you know what, I'm not fishing anymore. You never hear of Peter fishing again. It was the day when these who were in Jerusalem, these who were, quote, drunk on the Spirit, became ministers and deacons and missionaries and overseers and teachers. This is the day they sold all that they owned if we were to continue to read in Acts, this is the day they sold all they owned and vowed to live in a completely new way, in a completely new world, in the kingdom of God. This is the day they gave up their connection to this world and began living as foreigners in a foreign land. This is the day they stopped holding back, trying to keep one foot in their old life while trying to look for something new. You can't just get a little bit of this kind of glory. It's got to be all or nothing. Amen? This is the day for these disciples when Jesus finally made sense. You never hear Peter saying dumb things anymore <laughs> after this day. Peter is intelligent and articulate and theologically profound. Why? Because this is the day when the Holy Spirit empowered him to be that rock on which Christ built his church. On this day, on this Pentecost day, what is the Spirit saying to you? What are you being told today? What is the Spirit calling you out to today? Is this the day you stop holding back? You know, I know some of you are holding back. <laughs> I know some of us are not really sure. We have our doubts. We have our frustrations. We have our questions. You know what? That's okay. I don't think... You know, there were a lot of disciples that still had doubts, I'm sure. Still wondered. But this is the day they said, 
You know what? In spite of the doubts, in spite of the uncertainty, in spite of the questions that I still have in my mind, God is calling me to something and I'm just going to follow. I know there's some out here that have doubts, that they wonder. That's okay. You know what? I wonder. I have my doubts. I have questions unanswered. We're invited to be on the journey and discover those answers over time, over eternity even. Is this the day to start a new life? You know, I know there's some of us that are, that are feeling like it's the end of our ropes. Some, there's some of us out here today that are just feeling like, I just need to get it together. And you know, I know people, this is, this is the habit, this is what people do. And it always makes me laugh, i got to say. What makes me laugh is people go, i got to get it together. You know what, I'm going to go away for a while, and God, when I get my act together, then I'll come back. <laughs> I'll be ready for you then. Right? This is what people do. And it makes me laugh, because that's silly. <laughs> if you're trying to get your act together, if you're trying to make sense of it, if you're trying to figure it all out, don't go away. <laughs> come and do it here. I'm sorry, i got to get rid of this thing. It keeps falling off my ear. <laughs> Don't go away. Come do it here. Come feel that embrace of that Holy Spirit. Come and experience the Comforter while you search and wonder and weep and struggle. Don't go away. <laughs> You'll be back. <laughs> With the same questions. <laughs> Is this a day for new promises, new goals? God, I know you've been calling me, but I just haven't been responding. I haven't been saying yes, even though you have said yes to me so many times. Maybe this is your day to say yes, along with the Spirit that says yes. Is this the day to really put yourself out there? And mean it when you say, it's I, Lord, send me. Is this the day to really be challenged by that God's Holy Spirit to live differently, to take a look at your life and go, wait a minute. This isn't the life Jesus describes. The things that are important to me are not the things that are important to God. Is this the day we start saying, God, point me to what's important. And help me let go of the rest. What I want to say is, this is the day. Amen? This is the day. Amen? The Spirit speaks to each of us in our own way. And it calls us to different things. And I don't know what the Spirit is saying to you. But I know... But the Spirit is talking. The Spirit is calling. The Spirit is shouting with a mighty rush with tongues of fire. What else do we need? <laughs> what, what more can God do to get our attention? You know what the joy is in all of this? The Spirit is calling us not to do it alone, but to be together. There were, they were all there in one place. And the Spirit came and rested on them as tongues of fire, each one. 
And they stayed together through it all, figuring it all out. If we are indeed the temple in which God lives, then we together have the calling and the burden and the joy of bringing that Shekinah glory to the rest of the world. Amen. The question today is, what is the Spirit saying to you? What is the Spirit calling you for? And if you're not sure if this is, if the Spirit's talking, what I want to say is, this is the day. Today is the day. If you're not hearing the Spirit, maybe you're not listening. (laughs) But today, the Spirit speaks. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, we all come from different places in, in our lives, different times, different walks, different faith experiences, different manifestations of that same Spirit, and yet we know your Spirit is at work. Help us, your children, help us to say yes when you call us, to say yes when you say today is the day. Help us begin with those first steps toward the kind of life you've called us to, whatever those next steps are, that we might live in the full Shekinah glory of what it means to be your children for both the church as a whole and we as individuals. Yes, it's in the name of Christ. Amen.